Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may you bless this imperfect offering. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. And may they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. My mother always told me that I have the most adorable dimples. But it is, perhaps, a face that only a mother could love. Now, I don't say this to be self-deprecating, which I know is sort of my modus operandi. No, it's just that given the hostility that I seem to encounter when out in public, I've concluded that there must be something about my face that makes people angry. I also received a fortune cookie once that said I had an untrustworthy smile. Perhaps that would explain, in part, why strangers always seem to eye me suspiciously when I'm at Target or pumping gas, or why I've sometimes been followed by store security or singled out for additional searches at the airport, or why, on the road, people are always giving me the evil eye at stoplights and pedestrians glare at me like I'm about to run them over, even as I'm letting them cross the street right in front of me. Or why, as a pedestrian, complete strangers have driven past me and flipped me the bird. Perhaps it would help to explain why, when I was younger, I was chased around my neighborhood by two older kids with switchblades. Or why I had to run for my life back in New Haven from a gang of drunk Yale undergrads who saw me walking across the street one evening and decided to pick a fight or why the bouncer at that bar threw me out, insisting that I looked just like the guy who had started a brawl there a few days earlier. Yes, perhaps there is something wrong with the way I look, which increasingly seems to resemble some kind of uh, cult leader from the 1970s. Maybe it's better that I have to wear a mask out in public these days. Or maybe my face is unremarkable, and this is just how some people treat each other. My wife gets it all the time, red-faced, middle-aged men walking up to her driver's side window to berate her for some perceived offense. And there's nothing wrong with her face. I can tell her I said that. And in truth, anyone who doesn't check off Caucasian on that form has experienced most of these things a hundredfold, and then some. Systemic racism is dangerous and insidious and all too real. But judgment transcends race, and folks can find plenty of reasons to be suspicious or resentful of one another, perhaps now more than ever. Maybe no one is singling me out, giving me dirty looks at the grocery store. Haven't you noticed? Everyone is giving each other dirty looks at the grocery store. At the Jewel Osco, folks stalk the aisles like Neolithic hunter-gatherers, eyes darting back and forth as if expecting a saber-toothed tiger to come waltzing through the frozen food department like it was the antediluvian tundra. We're scared of each other and angry, too, if anyone gets too close or if 
They aren't wearing the prescribed face mask. We eye one another warily from the edge of our masks, as if that gave us some kind of enlightened vantage point from the moral high ground. Maybe it does, to a degree. Wearing a mask in public places is the right thing to do. I'm firmly convinced of that. And it's important to wear them properly, too. That's probably the most important and compassionate thing that we all can be doing right now. Now, let it be said that I'm no medical authority, but I feel I have a certain responsibility to use this pulpit for the common good. So I'm going to take a moment to go over the proper use of a mask because I see a lot of people wearing them incorrectly. This is how you wear one. Simple, right? But let's have a look at a few common mistakes that people make. Exhibit A. You're so close, man. You're almost there. You've, you've almost got it. I'm rooting for you. But you're still doing it wrong. I've heard about cutting off your nose to spite your face, but you seem to have forgotten that you have a nose at all. You know, that thing that has two holes in it that inhale and exhale air. Look, I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the mask slipped. Maybe you're working an eight-hour shift at Walmart and you just need a little reprieve. But if you just stopped in for a bag of potato chips, you can afford to be a little more conscientious. Exhibit B. Well, now you seem to have forgotten that you have a mouth as well. Just to be clear, the droplets and aerosols that spread the virus are not absorbed through your neck. Again, if you're pulling a long shift at work and you need a break, I get it. These things aren't comfortable. But if you're running into the gas station to buy a Snickers bar or a lottery ticket, you can do better. Exhibit C. I don't know what to tell you, man. What are you doing? Are you trying to make a statement? Do you think this whole pandemic is a hoax? Are you really that passive aggressive? Maybe you think this is cool, but it's not a good look. You know, if you see a sign that reads, no shirt, no shoes, no service, do you walk into the store without pants and then point out that it never said you had to wear pants? Well, maybe that's a needlessly complicated analogy, but it amounts to the same thing. It's clear you don't want to be here. I get it. But guess what? None of us want to be here. And yet, here we are. People will find all kinds of reasons to judge one another. But the face mask has given us a clear visual cue. It's been politicized and weaponized, becoming a symbol for some of one's political persuasion, which is completely ridiculous. I mean, this is not a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. It's a life-saving device. Imagine if using a defibrillator or wearing a seatbelt were to become a political statement. But here we are. If you aren't wearing a mask in public or wearing it correctly, it demonstrates a lack of care for others. It's selfish. It's dangerous. In a Palm Beach town hall, town hall debate 
about making masks mandatory in public, citizens revolted in outrage, with one woman making the bizarre theological claim that face masks were sacrilegious because they defied God's perfect breathing system. Now look, I think this kind of thinking is absurd at best, and if you want to get theological, I can make a pretty good case for the moral responsibility to not kill each other with carelessness. But I'm not entirely innocent either. I ascribe beliefs and ideologies to total strangers, make determinations about their whole moral compass, as if their choice about wearing a mask defined their entire character. I must have shot an angry glare at one guy who was wearing his mask around his neck because he quickly pulled it up and apologized. But before he did, I have to confess that I was thinking unkind thoughts. And I don't think I'm alone. And so we eye one another warily and angrily at the grocery store. As the songwriter Nick Cave once wrote, the urge to kill somebody was basically overwhelming. I had such hard blues down there at the supermarket queues. But maybe this whole business with the masks masks a deeper issue. We often talk about being connected in a great web of being, about how what affects one of us affects all of us. In church, we claim that everyone is a child of God. But do we really believe that? Do we really believe it, or are we just trying to convince ourselves? Is humanity really an interwoven tapestry of being? Or as the philosopher Thomas Hobbes wrote, a war of all against all. When it comes to human nature, I believe that most people are fundamentally good, insofar as we don't actually want to hurt anybody or cause anyone harm. But I also believe that human beings are naturally selfish, putting our own desires before other people's needs. The gospel is a corrective to that impulse, but Jesus finds that it's often a hard sell. In this text from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is frustrated. You can tell because he refers to the people around him as this generation, which he only does when he's angry. To what shall I compare this generation, he asks himself. It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. I confess it took me a little while to figure out what Jesus is getting at here. But just picture it. Some kid sitting in a busy marketplace with hundreds of people, expecting everyone to drop what they're doing and pay attention to him, and being shocked when they don't. The people around Jesus are like children, he muses, who think that the world revolves around them. Jesus is frustrated because so many people cannot see a world beyond themselves. They can't recognize one another as children of God. They can't recognize him either. John the Baptist ate nothing but honey and locusts, and they said he was crazy, Jesus laments. I enjoy good food and wine, and they call me a glutton and a drunkard. These people don't recognize John or Jesus for who they are. They don't look past the surface at the person beneath. 
They don't really care to either. And that is the question that Jesus ultimately asks each and every one of us. Do you actually care? Do we actually care about other people, strangers, enemies, or only the people in our own tribe? It's easy to love your friends, Jesus once said, but we have to love everyone else, too. We have to care. A year or so ago, I'd attended one of the District 87 school board meetings as part of a coalition that was working for more inclusive policies for transgender students. I'd gotten all dolled up in my clergy collar and my black suit, but I was hobbling around miserably because I'd just broken my toe the day before. I hoped that my pronounced limp would lend me a bit of gravitas when I got up to speak. Now, since there isn't much parking at Glenbard West, I'd parked my car at the church and then painfully made my way up the hill to this meeting. And when it was all over, I had to make my way back down. So there I was, limping down Park Avenue in my clergy getup. As cars passed me by, I was muttering to myself about living amongst a faithless generation that would drive by a hobbled, wounded clergyman without stopping to offer him a ride. But then, someone did. A car pulled up alongside me, and I recognized the driver as someone from the meeting, someone from the opposition party, someone on the other side of the issue that I had gone to speak about, someone who probably thought I was misguided at best and a charlatan at worst. You look like you could use a hand, he said as he rolled down the passenger side window. Need a lift? My God, I thought, it's the Good Samaritan. Here's a guy, a total stranger, that I had made a lot of bad assumptions about. And in truth, we probably didn't have much in common. We may even hold opposing views that the other would find morally bankrupt. And in that meeting, I had not recognized him as a child of God. But he recognized me. Perhaps it's hard to recognize one another at all beneath these masks. But as I stood in the line at the supermarket looking out at the sea of mostly covered faces, I realized that I could still see their eyes. And those eyes were tired, haunted, human. They looked like mine. Do you believe that we are all, each and every one of us, a child of God, a vessel of holy breath? If you do, then wear a mask. If 95% of Americans wear these things, according to a recent statistic, we can save 33,000 lives between now and October. But we must do more than this. Friends, if we really do believe, as Jesus did, that we aren't the only people who matter, that the world doesn't revolve around us, then we need to work towards a society that reflects that. A society where folks don't put individual desires above the collective good. A society where everyone is actually given a fair shot instead of a meritocracy without a level playing field, where everyone plays by different rules. 
a society that celebrates diversity, a society where healthcare and a living wage and due process are guaranteed instead of luxuries that some folks can't afford. There's a phrase that's been tossed around a lot lately. We're all in this together. But are we? If we are, in the words of Jesus, then our collective yoke is easy and our burden is light. And if we are in this together, then everything depends on the kindness of strangers and on seeing one another as a mother sees her own child.